Welcome to Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Health law broken down through expert discussion, real client issues, and real life experiences. Breaking barriers to understanding complex healthcare issues is our job. And good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. This is uh, another edition of Health Law Talk here at Shahardi Sherman Williams, where we're bringing the latest and greatest in health law discussion, policy, and then just general information. In the uh, studio with me today, Rory Bellina. Rory. Good morning, everyone. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Matthew Bernard. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, Conrad and Roy. Well, we, we are absolutely happy to have you here. I think uh, this is a fantastic show, and, and, and you're a fantastic doctor. You've done a lot. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> and today, just so everybody knows the episode, uh, Dr. Bernard here um, is the CEO, CMO of Covington Trace ER and Hospital. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And so this is something that, this is your baby. You did this, right? You know, with a giant team, as it often is. So yes, uh, but we've been uh, working on this particular hospital for about three years to this day and opening in about another four months to see our first patients. Congratulations. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's a huge process. Absolutely. It's my third and fourth child. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's, for everybody, let's get a little background. Uh, Dr. Bernard, tell us a little bit about you as a physician, your sort of your history and, and your journey to CEO, CMO of Covington Trace. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I think my uh, path has been probably a little unusual. Um, I was a mechanic. I was a welder. I never thought about being a doctor a day in my life um, until my son was born. He is uh, 25 years old now, and um, uh, when I was in the birth of your firstborn child, uh, amazing in and of itself, but then they whisked him away, and I was left um, staring at the C-section and could see my wife's ovaries and uterus, and I thought, I, I want to cut people. This is what I want to do, and so that was the day that I became pre-med and, uh, and then uh, trained in... New Orleans um, at LSU Med School, okay. and then I was one of the last classes at uh, Old Charity ER residency right oh, wow. before Katrina hit. So, yep. So you were involved in, during Katrina, and you were in the the military tents and all that. You were that you you were neck deep in that. Yes, um, you know I wasn't at Charity when the storm hit. So, right. Uh, you know it was a contra uh, contra flow thing. I went out of town uh, mm -hmm. dating a, a OBGYN actually in Georgia, um, but then I saw the levee break. I was actually at her house hospital while she was doing a delivery and uh, I'm from New Orleans though I know what it means when the levee breaks uh, right in fact my house in Lakeview took a foot of water on the second story uh, from Katrina and so um, I borrowed a jeep that had a snorkel on it and got my dad's gun and a bunch of peanut butter and water and drove back through Katrina actually on I-20 I came back through the storm um, rushing in you know I was brand new young ER doctor I was going to save everybody that was wow. my plan so it was a, a interesting uh, time for sure i mean he's got that gung-ho attitude rory I, yeah i could see it yeah that, that's really interesting I, I never knew that about you now i, I mean like every, every time we have someone on the show i always learn something new that is i mean for people who've never been through katrina and i don't want to belabor katrina because i mean I've, people have heard enough about it but i could tell you being on the front lines because my you know as you know my wife's an er physician and she was on that front line too mm -hmm. it it uh it's something that you just it's hard to just for people who've never experienced it it's very difficult to 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 
just describe that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so 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 you you went through you you practiced after that. What what facility did you, did you stay here in New Orleans? You know, um, there was a, a very brief uh, several months where I actually went to uh, Atlanta. Uh, the Emory program took me in, so I practiced a little bit at Grady. But very quickly, our program here got up and running again. Came back in. We were at the tents and uh, um, and then uh, yeah, continued training. We flexed a little bit down to Homa, down to Shaw Bear, a uh-huh. little more than usual. We also flexed to uh, Auctioner Main Campus a little bit more. And uh, but then the program continued to get better and better, and so uh, finished up uh, residency in New Orleans, and um, and then even before I left residency, I, I started uh, uh, leading other emergency departments. So I became the director of another LSU ER, and I guess I just like to fix things, whether it's uh, you know cars or planes or boats or people or houses. So you know a little bit of ADD, like a lot of ER doctors probably. <laughs> so just a touch. You know. Well, you know that's a good thing because uh, from what I understand, ADD folks you know have the ability to do a lot of multitasking mm-hmm. you know so functioning high level you definitely got that going on that's good that's great so yeah. so tell me your journey as a clinician when did that for you sort of change to more of I'm looking at going into the administrative role and, and what was that journey like yeah um, you know I guess I've had a touch of an entrepreneurial spirit for a while. So um, my wife and I have been, you know, part of many businesses, still are. Uh, we have uh, uh, partnerships in a, a brewery here in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, Second Line Brewing. So, okay. Uh, Man, we, we should have had Dr. Bernard bring us a case of beer. We could be drinking <laughs> Second Line sure. right now. We'd do the show there. That's yeah. right. <laughs> we could go remote, right? Next time. Uh, we've started, uh, you know, Montessori preschools. Uh, oh, wow. Um, I've been doing uh, real state and uh, rentals since before I was doctoring. And in fact, we just sold all of our rental properties this year. So, uh, so I, I think business has always been something I've been interested in. Um, and uh, so uh, a few years ago, um, an orthopedist and I locally started talking about building a small hospital, a micro hospital, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and then that's continued and evolved. Uh, we, we met a, a gentleman, an ER doc as well. His name is Tom Vo, fantastic fella. And um, he has uh, 20 of these hospitals up and running. And so um, we, we learned he was coming in the neighborhood. We didn't want to particularly compete against him. And right. then uh, we went and visited one of his facilities in Alexandria. It's been up and running for about two and a half, three years. And uh, the, the design was amazing. Uh, Tom Vo's amazing. Uh, in fact, we just did a uh, IPO on the NASDAQ in April. So uh, oh, with, wow. with, with him. So uh, he's got another 20 that he's working on uh, opening currently, including Covington Tracy Yarn Hospital. So tell me this, okay, because you know, down here, when we think about hospitals, right, mm-hmm. we think about, I mean, two, two major players, LCMC and Oshner. Sure. Absolutely. And, and so what does a, a, what is a micro hospital? Because some people might not know what that is. What, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, and I, and I definitely don't want to beat up on an Oshner or LCMC. Oh, no. But, not, uh, but, but, it's, but it's a new term because yeah. some people mm-hmm. might not know. Well, they all, all they think of is, oh, I got to go to EJ. I got to sure. go to Oshner. Yeah. And when you say micro hospital, some mm-hmm. people might not understand what that is. You know, I think the easiest analogy for me is if, if Oshner's Home Depot, we're the ACE hardware. So uh, uh, imagine a whole hospital just shrunk down in size. Mm-hmm. You know, our particular hospital locally here is on about three acres, uh, 21,000 square feet. Um, each hospital is a little different, these micro hospitals, uh-huh. uh, but uh, the one here locally, we have a full functioning ER, 
all ER board certified physicians like myself. Uh, we also have uh, 10 inpatient beds, so I can admit you as well. Uh, maybe some IV fluids or antibiotics or short-term observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing our hospital doesn't have is general surgery. And another thing our hospital doesn't have locally is an ICU. So, you know, I can find your appendicitis, but then I have to ship you somewhere else. Got it. Uh, I can intubate you or stabilize that, you know, gunshot wound or stab wound, but but then I have to uh, ship you out if it uh, needs ICU-level care. And y'all, and I guess through this, through just the market, the healthcare delivery market, micro hospitals, it sounds like from what Tom has been doing, what you're doing, seems to have found a niche in the delivery market. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, another analogy people are probably more uh, familiar with is going to be the surgical centers uh, where uh, you can, you don't have to get your surgery there, but they often provide a little nicer experience, a little sure. more concierge level. There may be a nice rug in the room that you wake up in after surgery. Right. Um, and so, uh, so I think it's another option. Um, and, and it's nice to have other options. Oxner LCMC, uh, we're not going to put them out of business, but, uh, but it is nice for patients to have a third option to go to. And we are smaller, so we can provide that higher level of service. I mean, you know, in a nutshell, we're going to spoil 30 patients a day rather than trying to cram 150 patients a day through the ER. Uh, so I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think, and, and, and from what you're seeing, for example, you mentioned Alexandria's up and running. Correct. From what you're seeing in, in the hospitals, in, not necessarily in Covington yet because you're not open yet, Correct. But how is that faring in Alexandria, for example? They're doing really well. Uh, you know, they are seeing, you know, 30 patients or a little bit more uh, per day, per 24-hour day, and they're happy as clams. Uh, the, the patients are happy with the experience. There's, you know, effectively almost no weight or, or very little weight ever. Um, and, and I'm the, sure people like that. Yeah. The, the staff can take a little more time with you. I mean, you know, uh, my whole career is uh, uh, we've been pushed to get patients in right. and out of the ER so we can get another person there. And all of a sudden uh, you can take a little more time and you know spend a little time and maybe we you know uh, maybe they want to get to the game in 45 minutes and I can do that as well but maybe you want a little numbing medicine before you get your IV and that takes an extra 15-20 minutes that's not something you're going to be offered at a a, a big box kind of hospital typically. Agreed and and so I'm sure there are a lot of providers who are going to listen to this and I'm sure you've gotten this question I'm going to ask it to you they're going to scratch their head and say, okay, that sounds really great. How in the world can I get in on this? What, what would you, if, if a doc, say you were at a coffee shop, one of your friends says, hey, you know, you don't want me calling you Matt. No, not at all. Yeah. Hey, Matt, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching what you do. This sounds really awesome. I want in. What can I do? What would you, how would you respond to a provider if they say they want to do this? Yeah, you know, I think um, this might be sort of the, the, the early stage or the infancy of these micro hospitals. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, initially there were these urgent cares and then there became freestanding ERs and now your freestanding ER can also admit you as well. That's kind of the, the evolution that I see. And, and, and the great thing about this is it's, it's very reproducible. Uh, now, it's really great to be with a partner like Tom Vo, who's, who's done this, who's, you know, created these and, um, and, and also learn from that experience. But, uh, you know, just like these small hardware stores, you're, you're going to see a Home Depot, you're going to see a Lowe's, and then you also see these uh, small, hosp- I'm sorry, small hardware stores, you know, dotting the, the town all over the place, because uh, I think there's a happy coexistence there. Um, you know, a long time ago, you had the doctor would show up to the patient's door with their leather bag, right. and there literally and figuratively was nobody in between the doctor and patient. Uh, I would say, you know, 
largely the pendulum is on the other side of the equation now, and there's tons of executives and administrative assistants. Well, those people have to get paid, and, and they get paid off of the doctor's billing for the most part. And, and I've heard that too, by the way. I've heard, you know, I mean, I'm, look, I was in I was in hospital administration, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, gee, I mean, twenty twenty five years ago when I, you know, but I wanted to ask when you look at the administrative apparatus, right? Mm-hmm. Even at the larger systems. I mean, how many VPs do you have? How many committees and so forth? And you're right, all those people have to get paid. So do you find that micro hospitals like your like yours at Covington Trace can cut through that and and sort of, you know, bring back that 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 doctor-patient relationship that I think people are craving. Absolutely. Um, you know, our organization chart is flat like a board. You know, I've got a, a, oh, wow. a right hand, I've got a left hand, so my CNO and my facilities administrator, kind of a COO. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got a marketing and business development. But after that, th- there is no more depth. Uh, it's just everybody flat. So we're not looking board. like a spider web or some big old pyramid, right? No. And, and, and you know, another beautiful concept in this model is that the physician, my ED partners, like myself, we are all partners and owners of this hospital. And so 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when you show up to our hospital, you're going to meet an owner of the hospital taking care of you and your family, all board certified ER docs. And, and who more motivated to give you that, that great experience? We're bringing back the doctor in the leather bag directly to the patient again. Was that the purpose when you started doing this? Was that the intent? Yes. And, and, and you know, and also to, to explore, you know, a, a better uh, degree of service. Now, listen, you know, most things come down to service. I think, uh, you know, as attorneys, you're providing a service. Uh, if I'm working in a restaurant, I'm providing a service. Now, we provide a fancy service. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do some pretty aggressive things sometimes. But uh, I trained at charity. A lot of my docs did. But is there something above you just didn't die? You know, and don't get me wrong, we got to make that happen, right? That's the, the, the bare minimum. But, but what else could we offer? Could, could we offer numbing medicine in your wound even though you're 40 years old? Could we offer numbing medicine before you get your IV? Maybe a child might benefit from a little nitrous if they have some anxiety uh, before a small procedure. So, um, and uh, maybe we can spend a little more time with you and not have to just rush you out the door. Maybe you're not quite comfortable. Maybe we can sit for a few hours mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, illnesses are dynamic. I mean, your, your first hour of appendicitis, all my tests are gonna be normal. The next day, it's going to be very obvious. And so the, the, the dynamics of medicine and illness um, benefit sometimes from taking a little more time and not just rushing somebody through because your CBC was normal. So, Dr. Bernard, I wanted to piggyback kind of on Conrad's question. Yeah. There had to have been, I think, a moment or an instance in your professional career where you thought, maybe I don't like the way that this current big hospital model is set up or... I think I can do it better. Is that what led you to do this? And like, you know, what what was that moment for you that you know pushed you towards doing this? Yeah, I um, you know I remember as a resident, um, there was a director of the ER, and I was always bugging him with ideas that I had to make things better. How can we better educate? Why are the patients waiting so long out there? How can we improve the flow and efficiency? And so um, it, I guess it started pretty, um, uh, when I was a, a wee young doctor, that uh, recognizing that I thought it could be done better. And so, you know, most of my career uh, in emergency medicine has revolved around fixing broken emergency departments or ones that needed help with efficiency. You know, when I was even a younger doctor at Old Charity, uh, there would be patients waiting sometimes, 24 hours in the waiting room or, or even longer. 
you know, at some point, and appropriately so, we realize that's not good care. And so even if we're doing everything right, right, once you get back in the ER, if it takes us 24 hours to get to you, that's not good. So, so you know, a lot of times I've been going to uh, hospitals or emergency departments that had two-hour door-to-doctor to time uh, or over an hour door-to-doctor time. And, and, you know, I don't think that's appropriate. If you come in with an emergency, you know, you know the patient's not supposed to know if that chest pain is heartburn or a heart attack. That's our job, and we have all these fancy tests. It is also our job to get to them as quickly as possible. And and so through that process and exploration, I've continued to wonder, how can we do it better? What can we do better? I, I want that ER visit to be just like a fine dining restaurant experience. You walk in the door, you're greeted by a host or hostess. You're brought to your table slash bed, and then you meet your server slash doctor. And, and so it is a fancy service. I love patients to be shocked that this was an ER visit, to be able to make them laugh a little appropriately, to ease some of the stress. I mean, it's scary sitting in a waiting room and, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, it's an ER, right? I mean, we, we deal with everybody from the Pope to homeless. And so, you know, but, but sometimes there are schizophrenics that are having an exacerbation or people on drugs or withdrawing and uh, people hacking up a lung. And now you're trying to get your baby to the back to get tested for something. Right. And you're worried, are, are we going to get sick or, or mauled while we're waiting in this um, uh, waiting room? So. so what was the feedback that you received when you went to your supervisor or director and, and wanted to make changes or, or had better ideas? How, how did that go? The, the first couple of times he entertained me and finally he said, Matt, maybe you need to be a director. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, because that's um, what the ER directors uh, are, are in charge of. And, you know, they're, they're right. leaders and, and you know, designed to get better patient care, better quality, better efficiency. And so he actually introduced me to the medical director of a hospital, uh, Lolly Camp in Independence, Louisiana. And that was the first ER that I became the director of. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I didn't know what I was getting into, but um, but I definitely had an idea of, of how I wanted the experience to be. And um, it was a great place to, to learn, you know, directing. Uh, I directed Turo's ER for uh, just under seven years or so. Uh, New Orleans East ER I was the director of for uh, a year to help them stabilize a little. And then also I was the assistant director of Bogalusa's ER. So um, lots of uh, ER experience. But, you know, I was a mechanic in the Air Force. I'm a people mechanic now. And, uh, and, and ERs and hospitals also sometimes need fixing too. So what's the patient feedback that you see when they come to a Covington Trace or another, well, they haven't. He haven't. He hasn't opened up yet. Correct. I, I, right. Correct. If they come to a smaller micro hospital, what do they say? Or what's the impression that you get from them compared to going to a bigger system? Yeah, I, I think they just absolutely love it. I mean, you know, first off, um, you know, not having a weight uh, or very little weight. I mean, that's that's brilliant. Um, not having to hang out in the waiting room for uh, uh, four hours to get back to, you know, get whatever it is uh, investigated appropriately. So uh, and then also that that little more personalized touch. Uh, the the niceness, the compassion, and the empathy tends to be a little different. Um, you know, uh, gosh, uh, I've seen a lot of ERs, worked in a lot of ERs, and um, sometimes people get ground down a little bit. I mean, the last few years in particular have been a little funky. I mean, you know, COVID yeah. and the, the sure. pandemic, uh, uh, even the ongoing now, the, the you know flu and the RSV and the COVID. Um, uh, there's a lot of things putting a lot of pressure on people. And um, uh, I love what I do, but if I start doing too many shifts, it starts to wear on me too. So this is a, a, just a, a more focus on empathy, more focus on you know a higher end service model. Is the uh, and just um, 
on, is Covington and these micro hospitals that y'all are setting up. Is the are the patients just strictly coming in through the ER, or you know, if I'm a physician owner, say I'm, I'm some other specialty. I mean, I don't know if you have. Is it only ER specialties, or do y'all have orthos or other doctors instead of different specialties where they could make? Oh, I'm going to schedule my surgery at the hospital. What what's sort of the how do you get the patients, and is it strictly through the ER, or are there other means? Yeah, so you know, I think uh, I guess when I'm looking at our hospital locally now, now this one locally doesn't have surgery, so we're not doing. She's not Okay. Not doing big surgeries, no uh, appendicitis. I think you had Dr. Christakis on, you know, and Dr. Christakis won't be able to pull out a gallbladder at our place. Oh, you, so. you heard, oh he heard Dr. Christakis. That's oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. indeed. Um, good. But, but my, I guess my three arms of our local hospital yeah. are ER, and that's a, a lot of the ways patients are coming into our hospital. Right. I can also admit you from there as well. So we've got the ER, we've got the inpatient, and then we also have outpatient. So, you know, if you're not having an emergency, but yet you need to get an MRI or you need to get an ultrasound, or you need to get some labs done, you can also come through that outpatient side. So there's no so. surgery suite in this one, is there? There's not a full surgery suite, but there is procedure rooms. So, so outpatient? Yeah, so we could have, uh, you know, surgicalists. Or general anesthesia? Uh, we don't have general anesthesia, but um, but uh, many ER doctors So mild, mild sedation? Mm-hmm, okay. absolutely. So Got it. We're used to doing procedural sedation. Ketamine? Using advanced drugs, exactly. Ketamine, Got propofol. So Got it. we'll have that full capability should we need to do some procedures, but, um, but you know, you're your appendicitis, your gallbladder. And that's the model on purpose, correct? That is. It is. Although some of uh, Tom's Vo's facilities do have a, an operating room. Oh, so, okay. You know, yeah, that's the, the tricky thing is um, each of these hospitals is sort of siloed and unique. Interesting. Uh, you know, there's some things we're doing with Covington Tracy R and Hospital that I don't know of any other hospital that's doing uh, some of these things. Can you say what that is? Uh, I, I don't want to. can. No, again, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to get into proprietary things. But is this something you can talk about? I'd like to hear what the, what that is. Absolutely. You know, uh, three years ago when we started the idea, we started with a blank piece of paper and we said, let's not cross off any ideas. What can we provide uh, in, in terms of experience? One of the things that we're doing is is I have doors from the externally that, that enter into the ER rooms. I also have doors on the inpatient rooms directly outside. Now, don't get me wrong. I think this is a, a security risk. And so I consider these doors completely closed all the time. Right. And they will be so. But with exceptions. And so let's say um, uh, maybe coming into the ER, well, there's a couple of ways we could use them, but um, let's say you come into the ER traditionally, you walk through the, the waiting room, we triage you, we, 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 and then we find out you have a, maybe a COVID or flu or RSV. One option is I can uh, let you out of the room. And so in an efficient standpoint, that's nice. And you're also not going back through the waiting room with your known diagnosis of COVID, exposing more people than you. Right. That's really interesting. I can also do sort of the flip side of that. So, um, gosh, you know, there's certain people that might be particularly fragile, maybe immunocompromised, maybe small babies. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that waiting room becomes a much more dangerous place. Maybe the mom of a three-month-old. So you can walk them outside and put them in a room. Even better than that, I can send you a code to your phone, and you can swipe into room two and come directly into the ER, and then my staff's notified you're there. You know, uh, on the inpatient side, there's some really interesting uses, too. Now, uh, you know, let's say— I've I, never heard of that. Have you heard no, of that? This is, this is brand new. I feel like I'm walking into the hill. like the suite, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. You know, on the inpatient side, 
inside, I, I have a couple of rooms that are even extra big and extra nice, these VIP rooms. They'll have desks and all these kind of things, but they have these fancy doors. And so uh, let's say you're admitted and you're getting your IV fluids or antibiotics overnight and you're watching Netflix. I can send a code to your wife or, or spouse or you know child, and they can swipe directly into your room and bypass going through the whole entire hospital. Wow. So, so we have to be careful about these. I, you know, I don't know of anybody else doing this. So, uh, so uh, I, Not that I know of. I don't no, know. That's do a, but that's a unique issue because I, mean, I think it's nice. I mean, imagine you don't have to walk through the halls and you can just go straight to the room. I mean, that's a very interesting dynamic. I like that. Yeah. So I think we, we've got some things that um, other hospitals just won't ever be able to, to achieve. And, no. and I'm, I'm excited because that's, that's a, a service. Uh, I think the community sure. is going to really enjoy that. Maybe is it is it VIP treatment? Maybe. But I think everybody that comes should get the VIP treatment. Sure. That's what, what our business is, is service. What outpatient, because we covered inpatient, even general surgery, which is not going to happen. Sure. What outpatient procedures do you foresee? occurring at at the at Covington Trace and others like that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I'm, again, trying to not cross any ideas off the list. Got so, it. So one of the things that I've been seeing that uh, some of our local community members have expressed an interest in mm-hmm. is uh, sort of these, uh, I, I might call them executive health screenings. So, you know, you're not having an emergency but you're trying to get the most out of your life. I mean, people are living longer and longer these days, and we have some really great testing available to help that. And so some people are having to go out of town to different states to get these, uh, gosh, I've seen things like whole body MRI. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I've seen a full screen on labs, a full MRI, the whole bit, these whole, not like like a wellness exam on steroids. Exactly, some of these, uh, take two or three days. Even. Right. You, know, you wow. might do a sleep study overnight. And y'all are doing, y'all could, or y'all plan on doing that? Is that what y'all are we thinking? We are investigating it now and would like to do things like that. I think uh, it's what the community wants, and it's my job to consider from the patient's perspective. Well, let me just say this. Are. I Because I, I heard this on another podcast of someone else, Rory, that you and I both know, and, 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 and they were promoting this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sure. And so I just, just for giggles, to, to, and, and, and Matt, just for you, I literally researched in Louisiana if anything like this is offered, and it's not. No. Anywhere, it's in Texas. Mm-hmm. You can go to Texas and get it. Yeah. But if you wanted a full, I mean, unless your family's a physician, right, and you have access to a magnet that yeah. n- that that the tech you can rely on, mm-hmm. I mean, you you know, there's no way you can get this anywhere. No, well, that's a very interesting. And I know more people are interested in that. I know that absolutely. And uh, and and then there's uh, little things that we can add to that as well. I've got a, a local person that uh, we're talking with now that um, she she makes great healthy food. She's got a food delivery and catering interesting. business. They're going to uh, help us to design a custom menu for our patients. And so maybe when you're coming to get that executive health screening, maybe we start your day with uh, steak and eggs. And, uh, and, and I might have to get one of these. Y- you know, we, we I could w- probably use one of these bad. <laughs> My wife would tell you that. <laughs> we want to make this enjoyable. I mean, if, if, if an ER visit can be enjoyable, we want to make it enjoyable. If, if we can help uh, extend people's lives by maybe catching something a little early, we want to do that. That's our business. That's interesting. I mean, I know that's not that's not anywhere in Louisiana. I know that. No, that's that's why we're looking at it. You know, community members have asked me and said, "Hey, I, I have friends myself. You know, I'm heading up north. They, they want to know, right? Stuff. They want to know, mm-hmm. hey, if 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 I can head something off at the pass, 
Why am I waiting to be reactive, right, on a PCP gatekeeper model? Absolutely. Why not go proactive? I want to know now. Sure, yeah. Listen, not everybody will want to do it, uh, but, you know, there there are people that will want that kind of information. Interesting. And, and, yeah. So y'all basically, you've taken urgent care, outpatient, ASC, outpatient, and you've taken freestanding ER, and you bottled it up and you stuck it and that's the hospital yeah uh you know with some flowers on it i mean just uh you know so <laughs> and doors we, right doors yeah, <laughs> fancy doors uh, yeah uh, and uh and you know when you get admitted you're probably going to get a bathrobe there'll be some flowers in your room uh you know some big fancy smart tvs and uh, we might be able to bring some consultants directly to that er wow. room to the inpatient room uh I, i'm not taking anything off the list uh, interesting if it can benefit patients so one thing that i know that we wanted to get to is the, the money behind this because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that is who's going to pay for this or the patient's going to pay for it so can you walk us through what the model is that that you're using from that aspect yeah absolutely I mean you know it has to be sustainable so I mean mm-hmm. you know when we open the doors uh, you know we're not going to win in a year our win is by staying open forever and so that means it has to be sustainable now we, we don't have all those executives administrative assistants and so we don't need as many patients so we don't we don't need everybody we just need you know a certain number per day and that's a very doable thing for us um, the other thing uh, and, and there's a little difference at a lot of times facilities, but I know one of our plans is to, to take primarily commercial insurance uh, or private pay. And so, you know, we'll have a list of services. I mean, let's say you've got no insurance, but if you have a visa card, you can get a pretty thorough workup. In fact, almost the, the whole nine yards for, you know, about $2,000, but that would include, you know, MRIs and CAT scans and labs and okay. everything. So, so um, and I think about 10% or a little bit less uh, uh, elected to use private pay. So, but otherwise, uh, commercial insurance um, is our primary sort of target audience. And the uh, No Surprises Act, I, I know y'all are talking we, about we, I was going to, that was my next question when he starts talking about that. But go ahead, I want to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'll, you know, um, I'll, I'll lead you into it. The, uh, the, the No Surprises Act uh, was uh, authored by Bill Cassidy. Um, and, um, you know, and I still think there's some issues with it. I think that some of the insurance companies are, are using a loophole and, and there still probably needs to be be some uh, better enforcement of some of those rules, but it's a new law, so I know you know things are happening a little slowly there. But uh, but overall, the No Surprises Act is designed so that patients don't get surprise bills, uh, and and so they're not going to get this crazy high explanation of benefits, these EOBs, and also you know when they see emergency and they swipe that insurance card, uh, they shouldn't be surprised and get balance billed. Uh, essentially, it makes everybody with commercial insurance almost in network when you go to an emergency visit. So anybody with insurance, uh, uh, commercial insurance will be, you know, essentially in network. You'll have your copay that uh, is between you and your insurance company, but there won't be any additional cost to come to our ER. You cut out the RAPS physicians. You cut out the the separate, you know, entities within the hospital that separately bill. Mm -hmm. It'll be, so let me ask you this. I've I've read, and I don't know how y'all see this, but I've read in other places, and Rory, uh, I don't know if you've read this too, but there are some outpatient places, there are surgery centers, for example, who literally post the charges on a wall or on their website. So people say, wow, that's incredible. Like, like I didn't realize, you know, like very transparent. They literally list out the prices. Here's what it is. There's no negotiating. I mean, right. I mean, here's the real price of what we what we're going to have here. Certainly. Is that something that y'all are considering, or or or? And they like the transparency. So they there's like you said, there's no 
gotcha. Yep. Right? How, how do you feel about that? Is that something y'all are looking into? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I guess I spent a lot of time in the restaurant business, so I tend to use a lot of uh, analogies there. But 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 literally, we will have a menu. Uh, let's say oh, for wow. that outpatient side. So that, that outpatient executive health screening, there's a lot of portions of it. Maybe, maybe you don't want the whole nine yards, but, yeah. but maybe you're interested in, I don't know, an MRI of the brain potentially. So, so there'll be a menu with, uh, you know, a list price, how much it costs to get that right. done in our facility. Um, gosh, if you came in the ER and, uh, oh, let's say you had, I don't know, no insurance at all. And, uh, and, and we did a medical screening exam and said, Hey, you know, we don't see any life threatening emergency. Here's a list of our private pay, you know, options if you'd like to continue further investigation in this. And so, uh, so I think transparency is key. And, and for that reason, I mean, the No Surprises Act, I believe, is a, a very noble act. It, it does benefit patients. If you did do that mm. and put it like a price list, like you're t- a menu, like you're talking about, mm. I think you would be the first facility in Louisiana to, would you say that Rory? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know of anyone doing that. Yeah. Yeah. We aim to uh, break some barriers here. You know, this is not just old. I mean, I'm being serious. I don't know any facility outpatient ASC even, Mm -hmm. or, or any rural hospital freestanding that's doing, um, maybe I'm wrong. Do you know any? I do do not know of any. None. Mm -hmm. That would be landmark that's for sure yeah we, we are trying to break down barriers in terms of you know the expectations and what we can provide and offer and the way we can provide that i think some of your other private hospitals might be like wait what are y'all doing over there <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the the pitfalls or the shortcomings that you've kind of probably already anticipated and you you're you know that you're that's gonna, a great question you, you know that you're going to face going into this yeah um you know gosh um i'll tell you i mean you know staffing is a, a tremendous challenge right now in healthcare. our particular hospital at, at covington tracy our hospital is uh got a staff of about 75 so you know trying to find you know well-qualified um uh, people and, and we've got lab and pharmacy and security registration er nurses inpatient nurses so uh so staffing is a uh, uh, an interesting challenge I'll and it's say. probably not just unique to you I've, I've heard it's from not. numerous people that's that's just healthcare right now staffing it, in it general is. i mean yeah. i think covid did a big reset on how people wanted to work where they wanted to work right. how much they expected to be paid so mm-hmm. and, and then you know as we're we're uh, heading down these new frontiers there's some questions that just have you know are or are, are, are new issues that we have to look at for instance all these fancy doors i'm talking about well all of a sudden i've got a hospital with a lot of doors and so we have to be you know first and foremost thinking about security and safety you know the last thing that we could possibly have is a, a young child get one of these doors open and go running out into the the parking lot, you know, unattended or something. So, uh, so this morning we met with the uh, state fire marshal and we started talking about what we want to do, how we want to do it, the electronics, the software needed to make these things secure. Uh, video cameras need to be probably more robust in our facilities. So we have eyes on who's coming and going. Um, and so a lot of these things are, um, not done previously. So, you know, when you get into uncharted waters, I think it, it, it does create more challenges because you got to get it right. And so, uh, so those are some interesting aspects. Um, and then, you know, gosh, uh, being a leader, taking care of patients. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's, that's another thing. So, so being in hospital administration on, for me, it was on the private side, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and HCA. Mm -hmm. And so we always encouraged to get out and connect with the community a lot more, a lot of different roles here. So let me ask you, that's a good question. I wanted to ask you. So you're trans, I know you're keeping the clinician hat on. Yeah, absolutely. I am. But (laughs) as CMO, CEO, that's a different level. So 
So tell me about the transition to that. And then, and then what do you see your role is in the community to promote Covington Trace? How do you see yourself doing that? Sure. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think you see a lot of leaders uh, kind of gravitate towards leadership roles. And, and so, you know, uh, early on in my military experience, I think I was maybe 18 or so at the time, um, but I ended up in charge of all the Air Force personnel on Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Uh, I enjoy being of service to the people that I'm uh, leading. And, and that's the way it should be, though. You know, I mean, people aren't working for me. It's I'm a service industry, right. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. So, um, and then, uh, so, I, I, and I think, you know, I guess almost all patients, I'm all sorry, sorry, all hospitals want to provide amazing care to patients, or, or they should. And, uh, and so the patient first is a, a, a common motto set. And I get that, and I agree with that, but I also think you have to have a tremendous focus on taking care of your employees impeccably, and then they will deliver that high level of service. And I think it has to be in that order. First, you take care of your employees as perfectly as you can, and then they will deliver the results that you're looking for. So that you for. get them, and that was really critical, right? Yeah. The buy-in. Yes, exactly. And so how do you the motivate vision. 75 people, right, to, yeah. to buy in to the Dr. Bernard's vision of Covington Trace ER and Hospital. Yeah, well, you know, I tell you, it's, I, I think it's pretty easy because uh, just like we're talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about this vision, this idea to take care of patients and in and, 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 and a, a wonderful, beautiful way, compassionate and empathetic. And that's an easy idea to buy into. I mean, who doesn't want to be of service? I mean, gosh, uh, uh, every religion, even monks, I mean, at, at the end of it, if you boil it down and condense it, it's about service to others. That's what makes us feel good internally. And, and then it's a win win. Um, so uh, I think, you know, um, describing the vision, repeating the vision, uh, you know, the visions in my dreams, literally, I, I dreamt the other night <laughs> yes. that I met Kenny Rogers, I told him about our hospital. He said, Matt, you're going to do great. I mean, it, it has become 24 hours a day in my brain. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm wondering, and, and, I, and I think this is interesting, when you when you talk about this, mm -hmm. when you cut out the administrative What's the word I want to use? The, the, the tape, maybe. Yeah, the baggage, the bureaucracy. The baggage or the yep. bureaucracy of, of a system or a hospital, right? Yeah. I, I would bet that the buy-in from the provider side is a lot easier when you tell them, look, we're on the same team. Yeah. And I understand as a practicing clinician, mm -hmm. your needs, your issues, your worries, your concerns – you know, in, in terms of what you're looking for and how do we meet the goal of patient first? Yes, absolutely. You know, that that's was, interesting. There was a really interesting uh, study done uh, and they looked at uh, people cleaning hospitals and there were two different facilities and they interviewed the people that were cleaning. They had the same job, they had uh -huh. the same pay, but the first group that they interviewed, that they weren't particularly high performing. Uh, and they asked them, you know, what is your job? And they said, you know, hey, I clean toilets. Right. And they interviewed this other group that, that did seem to be more high functioning, high performing. And when they asked these same people doing the same exact job, what is your job? They said, we save lives here. Now, these are the people cleaning the toilets. They're the people sweeping and mopping. But they're part of that team 
that contributes to saving lives. They, they studied that group more, and they noticed that these people cleaning the floors and mopping, uh, they, they talked about it. They would spend a little bit more time in that inpatient room if they didn't have visitors, if they looked a little bit lonely. They would help them get things to their car. Uh, you know, that's what I guess I define as that high-performing. And do you think that's directly attributable to, to getting rid of that bureaucracy of administrative and uh, do you think that's the, a key component or do you think there's something else as well? No, I do think that is. I think uh, uh, you're bringing that, that owner, that doctor back to the patient experience. You've got an owner there 24 hours a day um, and, and, and you have to continue pushing that and driving that. That's really interesting. I, I mean, when you think about what he's saying, you know, how many administrators does, do you need to, to stock a, a surgery or how many administrators do you need to do an outpatient or even admit admitting? I mean, when you're talking about admitting, how many people do you need overseeing admitting? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that the big difference that that you've talked about is that, you know, we know a lot of small, smaller surgery centers, um, not as many physician owned hospitals now, kind of since that little um, the ACA, the ACA on that. But. I think the fact that you're going to have the physician owners there practicing, making operational, you know, decisions is, is big. Because I think when you get into some of these big systems, you've got the worker bees and then the administrative. Yeah, I'm Doctor Four Two Five Six J. Sure, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if you if you need a certain screw or a certain widget, you know, you have to go through six levels of approval. Requisition page four, subparagraph, yeah. right. And, and go talk to this person that has to go before the board. And, and I think that by you doing all of, like, cutting that out all of that, I think it's going to be a lot more efficient of a model. And it, like you said, it's probably going to make people a lot more happy that work for you that say, hey, if we need this, I'm going to buy it because I'm, I'm, I have the authority to do so. Absolutely. You know, we have a monthly call and uh, Alexandra, for instance, you know, and every month uh, you've got the, the, the doctors get on there. Uh, Tom Vo gets on there and they discuss and, and take a vote if they need something. And then it happens. And, and that's not it. It doesn't need to go through a, a three month uh, process or go through anything else. You know, uh, they had an ultrasound that, that just uh, um, they wanted a better ultrasound for the ultrasonographers. Um, they talked about it on a call and they got it and that's it. And, and I've been at facilities where the ultrasounds are broken or we need different probes. And oh, my gosh, what you you know have to do to try to get a new machine or a better machine. I mean, hopefully it comes in years from now after they repair that one 15 more times. But um, that, that bureaucracy is tough to fight. And, and, and those kind of things take away from your time and attention to what we want to be doing. I mean, sure. nobody got into to medicine to usually to be an administrator. I mean, we got into medicine to help heal patients, to, to, to be healers. And, um, and so the more time and, and focus we can spend in that direction and not having to fight with an administration to get a new widget or ultrasound machine. Um, that's going to uh, make you happier. And, and then, you know, happy doctors are going to provide much better service. Happy sure. nurses. Again, that's where you comes back to taking care of your employees impeccably, and then they will deliver that first-rate service. So what do you think? Let me ask you this, and, and I'm going to mm-hmm. throw this up in the air here with you. Uh, and and try and, and and I know everyone has a perspective and and, and and tell me what you think and and your personal perspective, not the Covington Trace CEO, but I want to hear what you think. Healthcare delivery five years from now, mm-hmm. ten years from now, are we are we still seeing large conglomerates, more consolidation, or are we seeing sort of a what I what I would call a break? Mm. 
where physicians who continually, and this is a long hypo, if you will, sure. who continually have their ancillary revenue sources diminished, mm-hmm. their reimbursement rates cut, yeah. I mean, consistently across the board, yeah. okay? Uh, where do you see physician providers five, t- five years, 10 years, and how does that reflect in terms of providing care right. and the facilities that they provide the care in? Where do you see that going? Yeah, well, I guess uh, what I see, it's going to be up to the patients. And so if the patients are enjoying the experiences at these uh, smaller surgery centers Mm -hmm. or at smaller hospitals, they're going to come to those hospitals, and that's going to cause a shift. I know why the, the, the big hospitals are doing what they're doing. Profit margins are, are pretty tight, you know, maybe running 1% to 3% even. And so they're buying up, uh, gosh, uh, I think Oshner now has 47 hospitals. I, I could be mistaken about that, but uh, a large conglomerate now. And, and I know why they're doing it. So they can get even bigger boxes of gauze, bigger truckloads of gauze. At economies a economies of scale. Economies of scale to, yeah. to improve that right. really tight profit right. margin. Um, but uh, I, I do think that what I'm seeing so far uh, is that people are enjoying these surgical centers when they can. Uh, they are enjoying these smaller hospitals and, uh, and and less weight. So I think that's going to drive the market, if you will. And, uh, and I think the more physicians understand that this is a possibility. I think there's a lot of physicians coming out. They don't know what options are out there. They don't know that they can go work on their own. Um, you know, back in the day, there was a lot more private practice, independent. That was probably the majority at some point. And Today, it's not. Today, uh, you see a lot more employees, and you're starting to see more non-competes and more restrictions placed on physicians. But I, I don't know that that's making physicians happier. I don't know that they're enjoying their I work. I can tell you right now it's not. Right. <laughs> I, can, I think Rory will sure. echo the same thing. I mean, when a, the first complaint I hear when, I, when it's the non-compete, I mean, that is the number one problem aside from the comp model. Yeah, and it's an interesting problem because I recently spoke to a group of residents and did a quick poll of, you know, where they, they were, you know, interviewing or, or, you know, where they were looking at going. And the vast majority of them were going to or interviewing with the big systems because sure. typically they have a better offer. They, a lot of them will have, you know, student loan repayment, sign on bonus, all those attractive things that get these young physicians in the door. But then you and I know the majority of them will call in a few years and say, I hate it. I'm tired. of I'm this. ready to get out. I hate it. And How I, can I get out? And my buddy, Dr. Bernard is doing this really cool thing in Covington. I, I, I need to, I need to do something else. Cause this is not what I signed up for in med school. This is not what I've wanted to do. Be tracking my RVUs and spending all this time documenting and, and constantly getting told that I'm not, I'm taking too long in consultations. My surgeries aren't going fast enough. I'm mm-hmm. using too expensive of products. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. And, and, and let me just tell you this. Think, think of this, okay? And I know you're, you're going with this. Covington Trace is a little bit different, but just mm-hmm. from a healthcare delivery system standpoint, mm-hmm. we are seeing a paradigm shift mm-hmm. to value-based care, reimbursement, mm-hmm. okay? And what that means is, for those listeners who don't know what, the, what that means is, is pay one price per episode of care. So you, it's more going to the capitated model to where I'm going to pay only this, and that's all you're going to get, right? right? But we're going to base it on value. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the little buzzword, right? But yet... These big systems compensate physicians on all production. Mm-hmm. 
So in other words, you've got the go-go gadget. I want RVUs. I want more patients. I want more procedures. I want more. But yet now there's going to be a shift in value base. So, I mean, I'm, I'm look, this is just my personal opinion. I, I'm curious to see the market, how it reacts to that and where physicians are going to be five or 10 years from now. Are we still pushing RVU-based contracts on comp models, or are we shifting? And how the, how is that going to react? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. If I did, I, I, maybe I'd be in a different job. But uh, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, sure. do you follow what I'm saying here? I mean, I do, you- I do and, and you know, I wish I had all the answers. Uh, but 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 I, I know enough to know that it seems broken. And I think yeah. the, the patients feel like the system's broken. I think the doctors feel like the system's Guaranteed broken or, or could be better. Yeah. So you know, I, I wish I did have all the answers. But but I, I do know that you know providing another option to patients i mean options are just never a bad thing well you know i think you're doing just that with covington trace uh er and hospital i mean that's that's the new option it is it is and you know uh we we hope that you and the hospital succeed and and we want to you know thank you for coming on our show we really appreciate that And we hope uh, we. I've learned something new today. I don't know about you, Roy. Absolutely, I really like this model. You know, I want to bring Tom Vo on. I want to see. I want to because he seems like the, the another genius behind the model. So I mean, he he is someone that sounds very interesting. So he's an amazing leader, and and, and you know that's where it starts. It's a uh, kind of top down, and uh, went to his uh, New Tech's headquarters in uh, Houston recently, uh-huh. and uh, my CNO and I were there, and after meeting with departments, uh, different departments there over two days, and, and at some point he he stopped and. Uh, Everybody else had left the room, and he said, these people are oddly happy. Everybody seems content. And I think that's what happens when you get, you know, good leadership, uh, a little smaller vibe. Um, you know, the bigger any organization gets, then, you know, you start getting a little more like a Walmart or something sure. like that. So, so when is the grand opening? When When is the, the patient doors going to swing open for Covington Trace? Yeah, so we're coming in spring. It looks like we should get the keys from the contractor in March, and then it should take us about another month. So April, uh, maybe worst case scenario, beginning of May, but uh, we're hoping for an April opening. But uh, yeah, we'll do a ribbon cutting, and uh, we're just so excited to get the doors open and get some patients in and, and have the chance to serve them. And, sure. And uh, we got we got to execute. Uh, it's great to have a vision, but uh, we got to make it happen too. And I'm sure we will. I would love to have you back on the show yeah. in the summer if you're up next year after the doors are open sure. to kind of get your thoughts on how the hospital's doing if, if you're open to that. Yeah, that sounds like a great thing. I think, uh, you know, the more the more we can talk about it and just uh, discuss the different options for other physicians to, to know that it's out there, that uh, this is happening more and more. So, Well, I got to tell you. Uh, Covington Trace, ER and Hospital, looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Dr. Bernard, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Rory, and everyone who's listening, please check out our website, www.shahardy.com, our podcast, and leave us that good five-star rating. If you have any questions or any suggestions on the show, please send us an email. What is it, Rory? Podcast, I think? Yes, podcast at shahardy.com. Fantastic. Everyone have a great holiday season. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to this episode of Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel, make sure to give us that five-star rating, and share with your friends. Shahardi Sherman-Williams is providing this podcast as a public service. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice, nor does this podcast establish an attorney-client relationship. Reference to any specific product or entity 
does not count as an endorsement or recommendation by Shahardi Sherman Williams. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and their appearance does not imply an endorsement of them or their entity that they represent. Remember, please consult an attorney for your specific legal issues.